Well, good morning again, and thank you for being part of uh, Mariners today. Um, um, we, we made a change about a month ago about having the greeting at the very end, and we listened to you. We heard your complaints. It was as if we kind of tried to take away one member of the Trinity, and anyway, we made that change. So, so we changed back. So, so we all like the greeting right here at this time. Our encouragement to you is the people that you meet and, and, and for the first time, don't forget their names, okay? And after the service, if you want to go out and grab coffee or grab lunch with them, please do. Um, there are a lot of people that God is bringing in that are here for the first time or the second time, and they're trying to find a church home, or they're trying to maybe just connect with this this whole God thing, and, and you're a part of that. And so be open to uh, opening up your life to them more. And so remember names, write things down, and, and it'll really, really help. So anyway, here we go um, 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 with that. Hey, um, one of the things that we as a church have chosen to do is stand in, um, in solidarity and unity with churches around the world. And we do that through our giving. Um, we would give uh, to different associations and organizations and churches but also a special um, heart we have for those around the world that are, we would call them the persecuted church. Those that cannot meet like we do, cannot meet freely. Their main concern is not when are we going to greet, whether it's going to be in the middle of the service at their end. Their main concern is will they be found out um, where they are even meeting. And so what we do is and what we can do is we can pray because they have asked the most important thing that churches around the world can do for us would be to pray. So what we do is we have in between services and you're invited to go upstairs and pray. We have a group of people that are just dedicated to that. I love them that will be praying for the persecuted church, but we like to do that as well here just to take a brief moment and and, and pray. Um, I have a calendar and it has different prayer requests for the persecuted church and and, and the one for for this day is pray for the believers in Jordan. when they become Christians, they have to move to safe houses. Can you imagine that? Having to say, since I've changed faith, um, changed my religion, and I've become a Christ follower, I now have to live in a safe house. And so um, they asked us to pray for those in safe houses that they would be able to remain safe. And so we're going to pray for the persecuted church right now around the world, but specifically uh, for those brothers and sisters in Jordan. Would you pray with me, please? So, Lord, thank you now. And God, um, God, I almost feel guilty that we can meet like this when others around the world, so many millions can't. Um, but because we can meet freely, then help us to grow and expand in um, numbers and in prayers to those around the world that, that now have to meet in secret or in hiding or out in open fields um, because they can't have a building or... Specifically, we would pray for those believers in Jordan that you would keep them safe, those in the safe houses, Lord, that the houses would remain secret and hidden, and that their faith within those homes, the fellowship and the brotherhood would grow strong. And so, Father, you would be working there, and so bless them. And return our attention, God, to our, our own growth and our own lives. May it not only be just for us, but as we grow closer to you or stronger in hope, may it have an effect on other people, Lord, because it's not just about us, it's about you and others. And we thank you so much for what you're going to do today and this week in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much.
Hey, how many of you could use a little bit of a hope injection this morning? A little bit of hope injection today. Yeah, yeah, uh, a little bit like that. Our year is based on the word hope, esperanza. Um, the word is back behind me. And, and we've been talking about hope as being much more than just simply, you know, wishful thinking, you know, and butterflies and, and sunshine and all that, or even optimism. There's a whole God aspect to this hope thing. And, and really what hope is, it's an assurance that a loving God is in control of life, but he's also in control of what? Of my life, in control of my life. And no matter if good or bad happens, he's in charge and it's going to be okay. That's what hope is. Um, it's as much of a noun, I think, as it is a verb. It's not just simply hope is kind of this little thing that, that I'm going to hope. It's I have hope. I've grasped onto this thing called hope, and it's carrying me through in life. The Bible says this, as for me, I will always have hope. There it is. I'll have it. I'll have hope, and I will praise you more and more. I mean, hope is you know, kind of like that glass in my life, um, no matter if it's half full or half empty or all empty with a you know, dead bug at the bottom uh, of it. It's held by a loving, strong, and powerful God that the glass of my life, no matter what's going on, no matter what's filled on the inside, God's got it, and therefore I can have trust in that. And that means that this day is held in the hands of a loving and gracious and strong and in control God. And so is tomorrow, and your tomorrow and your next week and your next year. In fact, you're forever. And, and we would like to raise our ability to, to hope and and. And I think there's a part of, of our expectations that, that, that roll into this. There's a part of our faith that rolls into how much hope we can actually have. And so we want to talk a little bit about raising our expectations this morning of what God can do through my life and, and even in my life. And so I want to work with a question, what are you expecting God to do today? I mean, what are you expecting God to do today? When you got up in the morning, what did you expect God to do in your life. Uh, I heard an ironic story about this little church in a little town, you know, one of those tiny little churches in a tiny little town on the highway. And one day right across the street, a, a strip club opened up, okay, right across the street from this poor little little church. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. This wasn't good for them. They didn't think it was good for the town. And so what they did is they held a big prayer meeting um, and they prayed that God would shut that place down. You know, sometimes churches will, will do that. God, shut this thing down, shut this thing down. Well, that very night was an electrical short in the club, and it caused a fire, and the place burned to the ground, just burned, burned, burned down to the ground, okay? Well, well, the owners of the strip club, <clears throat> they took the church to court and sued them, okay? They sued them. <clears throat> and the church, of course... <laughs> it was in a dilemma. They fought back, okay? They fought back, and the club argued that the church's prayers caused the damage, and the church had to argue back, guess what? Our prayers didn't do a thing, okay? How's that? How's that? Right. <clears throat> and when we talk about um, prayer, and we talk about hope in God, what are we expecting? I mean, what are we really expecting God to do? Um, I get a little freaked out by the statement, what are you expecting God to do today? Because a lot of time my answer is what? Not much, you know, not much. Maybe just get me through the day. <clears throat> Crazy situation, Jesus went into a town, and it says this, and this, this is what it says. 
It says, because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't do any mighty miracles among them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, that I have somehow a role in this. Now, I understand the sovereignty of God. I understand that God is omnipotent and, and, and all the attributes that are here. But when I come to a verse like that, I, I have a little bit of discomfort because somehow I have a role in allowing the ability of God and his all-powerfulness to be able to be at work. Somehow our faith has something to do with what God is doing here. Now, now <clears throat> you, you, you come here, and some of you are here for the very first time, and welcome again, we'd like to welcome you. But some of you, um, some of us come here, and, and we come sometimes out of habit, you know, and it's like oh, I do this every, every week, and, 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 and sometimes we come and we don't expect much to happen. You know, we just don't expect much to happen. And, and probably if you didn't expect much to happen for you or to you this morning, you probably have not had a whole lot happen to you. You know that? However, if you are expecting God and, and you're expecting to encounter God in a very real way, a very powerful way, if you came this morning and you said, God, I'm expecting to, I want to say meet God, meet you. You all know what that means, to, to really feel an experience of closeness with you, um, you are probably thinking right now, man, what a great day this has been because I feel like I've connected with God. Same service, you know, you're sitting in the same seats. It's just the whole difference is not in God. It's not in the service. It's in our what? Our expectations. Do you see how it begins to, to play itself out? And I guess I want to expand our expectation level, mine certainly, and, and, expect, and expand the grasp of my role in this whole thing called hope because I do have a, a place in that. And I think we should really, and, and if you want to take notes, fine. If not, just, just, just give a listen. I really think we should and probably have the privilege to expect bigger things in life. One of the more popular and well-known situations in the Bible was Jesus feeding the 5,000, okay? And most of us are familiar with the story. Jesus took five loaves and two fish and, and fed 5,000 5, people. In fact, this is one of those. It's, it's, it's in all four Gospels. And the, the story goes this way. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. I mean, he's, he's thinking realistically. And, and, I mean, I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to things like that. And so I'd say, good job, Philip. You, know, you got this all calculated out. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Well, what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, now, Andrew's at least he's doing some thinking going on here, you know. At least he found something. That's going on. And, 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 I, and I always wondered how, how, how did the kid know that his lunch would be part of this whole thing? You know? I just kind of wondered, wondered how that went. I mean, did Andrew just see a kid's lunch and grab it and say, hey, kid, I need this? Or did the kid, upon hearing Jesus' statement, we need food, offer somehow, offer it up in expectation that this could be part of it and, and help? I mean, did the kid hear Jesus and say, you know, you can start here? Now, the end of the story, of course, is he ended up feeding 5,000 people, and there were 12 baskets full um, of leftovers. But I do know that Jesus expected us to take part somehow in what he was doing. 
Let me go back to this verse that says this. Because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't do any mighty miracles among them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. We have a God of the universe who puts stars in, in place. And we sometimes don't believe him for, for very much at all. I, I hope God doesn't take action because of my unbelief or because I don't ask. Sometimes, sometimes I'm almost afraid to ask because I'm afraid I'm going to put God on the spot, you know? You know how that works? You know, God, if I ask you for this and you don't do it, well, maybe, I'm sorry, God, I just don't want to put too much pressure on, on you, or maybe, God, you can't, you can't pull this thing off. And I don't want us to be that way. I, um, I tell the staff, every, every Thursday we, we meet as a, uh, as a staff, and, and, and one of the questions I ask him is, what are you expecting God to do in your ministry this week, this weekend? What are you expecting God to do? And you better give me an answer. And it better not just simply be survival. <laughs> you know, I mean, there should be more to it than that. What are we expecting God to do? What am I expecting God to do today, here, in this room? Because I'm expecting only for me to be able to make it through the next 20, 25 minutes, then, then that's not almost insulting to God. You know that? Almost insulting to God. And then on Tuesday, um, we come together again, and I say, now what things, what God things did you see happen for the past week? And we need to keep our eyes open for them, because by our faith, it can be done for us. So, question for you. What thing are you expecting God to do today? What thing? Your marriage is going to get better because of today? Are you thinking about that? There's going to be an inner joy because of today? Do you expect God to do that, to give you a sense of peace like you've never had before? Second thing, believe better days are ahead. Um, Better days. Look at that word better. Um, A whole bunch of years ago, there was a hair color ad. And, And I don't even remember the product, but it covered the gray, you know. And, and I guess it was for people getting older because the slogan, the tagline was, because you're not getting older, you're getting what? Yeah, if you remember that ad, you are older. Okay. Or you're, you're better. You're, you're, you're better on this one. And, and I, when I was a kid, I'd hear that, and I'd just laugh, and I'd say, yeah, 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 you're not getting better, you're getting older. I mean, that's just simply the way it goes. Now, I don't laugh so much anymore because I'm, I'm, I'm older, and I didn't get what? I didn't get better, okay? I didn't get better. Um, I mean, my better days. When you think about my better days, you know, physically, you know what they said? I read this. I told this to my son. I said, physically, you peak at 25. You realize that? 25, you peak, you know? And, and I said, after you're 25, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all downhill. And, um, and my kid's quite a joker. He said, okay, I'm, he was 24 at the time. He says, okay, I'm, I'm just simply going to start going downhill now. I'll just simply break, break all the odds. But you peak at 25. You do not get better after 25. Things begin to decay and wear out. I was, I was in a quiet room the other day, and I was just moving my knee back and forth. I can hear it. I can hear it. <laughs> Making all, all, all kinds of noise. And when it's cold and damp, guess what? I can feel, feel it. This is, this, is, this is what God says. I, lo- I love this. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
yeah, better days are ahead. Better days are ahead. Because while my flesh may fail, eventually my heart is going to give out. God's my strength. And, and yeah, I'm getting older. Um, hopefully, as God does his work in my life and is making the changes in me and helping me understand my role in this place, hopefully I'm getting older and what? And better. And I think better days actually can be it. And that's time and time and time and time again the theme of the Bible. Adam and Eve screwed up. And God said, guess what? Better days are ahead. Abraham was frustrated with his whole life. And God said, better days are ahead. Moses said, you know, people are just going to disobey you. These are stubborn people. And God said, yeah, but better days are going to be coming ahead. Jeremiah, the people are all messed up. And they've got basically an army getting ready to wipe him out. And God said, ah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a, and, and a future. Well, I mean, with Jesus, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. My life is in the hands of a loving, caring, sovereign God. Isn't that cool? This one is true. Underneath the lake in Maine, Underneath the lake, it's a reservoir, um, is the once town of Flagstaff, Flagstaff, Maine. Um, small town, and they decided to, to dam up the river, the dead river that ran right through uh, Flagstaff. And, and they said, okay, it's going to take a while for this because it was a small river. It's going to take a while for this reservoir to fill up. So you've got about three years or four years before you've got to move out, you know, other than you know, eventually your, your town is going to flood. And, even though it took a few years, they noticed the residents doing what we would do. They quit painting their houses, and they quit fixing their fences, and they quit taking care of their yards and, and their homes. Why would they? It was only going to get worse. Do you understand how lack of expectation of better days just begins to decay your life? I guess if I believe my life is going to get flooded, I'd give up too. But if I believe my life is going to get better and tomorrow has much more hope because God's going to work me, then today's significant. My attitude towards today is, is important. Third thing is let my trust in God crowd out my fear. I, didn't, I, I almost wanted to say l- let, let faith replace fear, but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It's not just either faith or fear. It's not binary like that. I think you have X capacity in life, and I think sometimes you have a whole lot of fear, and it's beginning to crowd out faith, or you can have faith grow and increase, and it begins to crowd out fear. And there's going to always be this constant feeling back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes people say, I don't know why I'm afraid. You know, I I have all this faith in God. Why is going on? It's because right now the fear is beginning to just simply crowd out. And, And the solution to that is increasing faith and increasing your spiritual spiritual growth and of course one of the best stories for that in the bible is is is, you know is is david and goliath and as you read that through you'll all of a sudden see man how this kid's faith just simply crowded out crowded out all all the fear and it's not just a great story because a little kid beat the big bad giant but it's a contrast between david who allowed his faith and hoping what god was going to do to crowd out any fear that was there contrasted to the other soldiers that were there. It says this, And Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Big guy. 
He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He's a strong guy. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. This guy's a monster. He says, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, terrified and deeply shaken. And, And the apparent reality, when I say the apparent reality, it's what they think they saw. It crowded out God. It just simply crowded out God. It pushed God out. And all of a sudden, there's a great example now of fear crowding out faith. David comes out and, you know, he, <clears throat> he knows God. I mean, he, he, he knows God. And when I say knows God, I'm talking about he had a closeness with God and a trust in God. And, and I would say the more you know about God, um, the more your faith is going to grow. It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. You come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David's reply. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I love that verse. I love it because I love the word carcass. I mean, that's in here as well. I mean, mean, this is quite a statement for a a little kid saying, but I love it most because it says the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. It's like, I'm, I'm trusting on God. I'm trusting on the God of everything on this one. <clears throat> and one of the things that happens in a series like this on hope is all of a sudden we start to realize, I'm not sure I have it. Worship team, would you guys come on up right now? Um, I mean, I, I read the prayer requests and, and um, I pray through them. <laughs> And when we started this series on hope, the list of prayer requests just went, just, just did, you know, just did. And, and, and that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we necessarily have more problems. It just simply means that our problems are being now sifted to the surface, you know, and all of a sudden we realize, I'm not sure I, I have hope for this one, or wow, I really do need more hope in this. You know, my marriage sucks. I'm losing hope. My life is hard. I'm losing hope. My parents and I don't get along. I have no hope. My addiction's really bad. I have no hope. You know, it it goes on. My loneliness is really bad. I don't have hope. And um, there's a situation that that happens in the life of Jesus. And and I I don't think it's, it's that different necessarily than yours or mine. Um, I mean, I mean, the situation is different, <clears throat> but the attitude or the feeling is very similar. Dad has a hopeless situation, and his kid was really, really messed up in all kinds of ways. I mean, all kinds of ways. And he goes to Jesus. Um, and what's cool about this whole thing is, is the man has enough faith to come. He has enough faith to come but really not faith enough that Jesus really could do anything, you know? So he had 
that much faith, but 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 not enough. And and the guy says, um, "Have mercy on us and help us if you can. If you can." Yeah, I mean, you hear that? You hear that? He's talking to God, and he's saying, "God, help me if you can." You hear the doubt? I mean, you hear that? And, and, and this may be where some of you are, are at, you know? It's like, God, help me. I have enough faith in you to say, help me. But I'm going to have to add that clause if you can. The guy is struggling to find faith and struggling to find hope in a very hard time. He's struggling. Here's what Jesus responds by saying, what do you mean? If I can. What do you mean if I can? Now think about that one for a moment. We come to God and we say, God, um, tell me if you can. And God could say back, what do you mean if I can? If. What do you mean, Paul? Help me if you can. Of course I can. I can because I am. Because I am. And Jesus says this, anything is possible if a person believes. Anything. Anything's possible. The father instantly cries out. Here's his reaction. Here's his instant response. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What a prayer. What a statement. What a great statement he makes. And that might be where some of you are this morning. You know, I mean, really. You may be saying, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Because there's still a part of me that can't quite grasp it, that can't quite trust it, that can't quite believe it. I believe God, but help me. I don't, I don't quite have it yet. And, and maybe you're here this morning and, and want to. Um, maybe you're saying, I, I believe, but God, help me in my unbelief. And, and this is what I talked about at the very beginning of the, of the service, um, saying maybe this morning you'd like to stand and come forward in your statement of saying, I do believe, but God, not only help me in my unbelief, but I'm trusting you as I'm struggling through this thing called unbelief, that I'm going to hold on to you no matter what, even through my unbelief. And you can do that right where you are now. You could say, even just as you're sitting down, God, what I'm going through right now, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And he will respond. Or maybe you'd like to just simply stand up and, and come forward. And, and I've invited some people to, that would like to pray with you or just simply say a short prayer with you just to say, you know, hey, God's going to be here with you to encourage you on that. Where you're saying, I believe. God, help my unbelief. But I'm going to stand here and hold on to you because of that. And there may be others who would like to come forward as well. And you're saying, help me on this one. And we're going to go back into that chorus and the song, um, King of the World. Because I, I love the statement, and the first time I heard that song, it just knocked me to the floor. Well, not really, but when did I forget? When? When did that happen that I forgot you've always been the king?
king of the world. When did I forget that? And now you're saying again, as maybe you're coming forward or where you're seated, you've always been the king of the world. I'm going to place my trust, my faith, my hope, the king of the world. If you want to come forward and have someone pray with you, come forward. If not, um, just be seated and let's worship together. Okay, come forward, please, if God leads you.